intro. I love that. Hey, how many of you are glad to be here tonight? Anybody glad to be here? Come on, let's do better. If you're grateful for Jesus, can you make some noise in here tonight? That's good. I love a little noise. Love getting rowdy. Man, it's so good to see you guys. We had a great time uh, last week. We had a good service, kicked off our brand new series, and then we watched Zootopia, which uh, I think we've got given enough screams for, but if you want to scream again, uh, go for it. Okay, cool. So if you're into the cartoon movie thing, then last night was a good week for you. Uh, how many of you do not like animated movies? Anybody? Oh, my goodness. Okay. I'm not a big fan, but Zootopia was a good movie. It was a great movie. But, um, hey, I'm so glad that you're here. I know you could be doing a lot of stuff tonight, but you're uh, in the best place possible. Welcome to C12. If it's your first time, uh, we're glad you're here. And I hope that you find this to be a place that uh, you can come and just check out. And enjoy a place you can come as you are and uh, hopefully learn a little bit. If you're new, uh, just to tell you a little bit about us, man, we, um, we are passionate about Jesus. We believe he is the hope of all life. We believe he's conquered death and he, is the, uh, he gives us victory. And, uh, man, that's what we're here to celebrate tonight. So uh, that's why we're here. Glad you're here and hope you meet somebody new tonight. Can you do me a favor? Can you just turn to your neighbor and say, uh, you look so good tonight? Yeah. Turn to your second choice. Tell them as well. Tell them as well. Don't leave them hanging. <laughs> hey, we may need to do this. Uh, we got a lot of people sitting in the back. Can we uh, quickly just, if you got a seat next to you, maybe just scrunch into the middle. Uh, can we do that just real fast? If you got a seat next to you, maybe just scoot over so that we can create some room. See a lot of people sitting on the floor. Your butt's going to start hurting real fast. So there we go. Got a couple seats available. Thank you. Hey, as I, uh, as I mentioned, uh, we just started a brand new series last week, and it's called Who Am I? And really the center around it, or the center uh, that we're kind of gathering around is the idea of identity. The idea of who are we, and if someone were to ask you, uh, who are you, you're probably going to come up with some different answers, maybe student, uh, Christian, male, female, I don't know, whatever, like, I don't know who you are, maybe you're single, anybody, come on, uh, you've got different things that you are, you've got different labels, and uh, last week, last week we talked about how life, life has a tendency of giving you labels, whether you wanted it or not. Life has a tendency of putting labels on you, 
and you can just be going throughout life as a 19-year-old kid, and you've experienced 19 years of living, and somehow you already have a bunch of labels sticking to you. And sometimes it's just, you know, student, whatever, that kind of simple stuff. Sometimes it's more serious. Sometimes it's uh, labels that other people have put on you because of who they think you are. Maybe your parents have put a label on you. Maybe you've got a label put on you from a friend. Or maybe it's even your own dumb decisions that have given you a label, okay? I can, I can say yes, I've had a label before of dumb decisions I've made. Maybe you're fighting with different labels that you have, and unfortunately, what happens is that your labels that get put on you, whether from you or somebody else or whatever, the labels start to kind of sink into who you are, and it becomes uh, your belief about you, it becomes your identity. And uh, this can ruin your life. This can kind of get into the mix of who you are, and all of a sudden, you begin living out your labels. And so we said last week that you always live out your labels. And so uh, kind of in this series, we're going to talk about uh, the good news is that God has come uh, to change your labels. He's come to change your identity, and it changes your labels. And so we're going to talk for the next few weeks just as a community about identity and what that means. And and my prayer and my hope is that for many of you in this room that uh, you would walk out of here with a new perspective, with a new belief about who God has made you to be, who he says that you are. And you can walk out of here with a new identity and a belief in who God is. Amen. Can we get around that? Cool. So uh, in this series, we're going after uh, studying one particular character. We'll obviously look at some different things, but uh, essentially we're going to look at one guy named Jacob and the life of Jacob and the journey that God took him through to get to eventually where God changes his name. Anybody know what God changes his name to? Israel. God changes his name to Israel. And so from Jacob to Israel was a huge identity shift, identity change uh, for Jacob. And so that's where we're going after. So uh, I know we've prayed a good bit tonight, but um, man, I just, I just feel like I'd like to pray for us as we d- dive into the scriptures. Is that okay? What are you going to say? No? <laughs> Can't say that. So let me, uh, let me just pray for us as we get going here. God, thank you, uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather. And Lord, I thank you for each person that walked through these doors tonight. And I don't know what they came in carrying. I don't know what kind of situations are going on in their life, but I know that you have them in here for a reason. They're not here by accident. So God, I pray that you would speak directly into their hearts. Would you encourage their soul tonight? God, would you uh, give sight to the blind? Would you bring healing to the broken? Would you give joy to the discouraged tonight? Lord, we trust you. We don't need another church service. God, church doesn't change anybody, but an encounter with you can change everybody. So we ask that you would do that tonight. We believe in it, and we ask for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. amen. So this guy, uh, this guy named Jacob is a, is a very complicated, complicated character. And, uh, you know, truthfully, as we, as we thought about this idea of identity, there's a lot of people that we could have gathered around, we could have studied. Uh, but Jacob is a very complicated Dude, uh, very conflicted in his identity, uh, but we could, have, we could have picked anybody. Let me just give you a few examples. We could have gone all the way back to Noah. See, Noah had a confliction in him. See, Noah built an ark uh, essentially to preserve all of humanity. You may be familiar with Noah, but he also got drunk and did some uh, pretty weird things. I don't know if you've seen the movie Noah, but Noah, was a, a, he was conflicted. That guy was weird, right? So he, he essentially saved all of humanity Yet he got drunk and was a little freaky. Uh, we also have Abraham. Abraham's the father of many nations, but he was also a liar. Moses. Moses was the deliverer of God's people out of Egypt, but he was also a murderer. 
That's a big confliction there, right? Uh, who else? David. You may know of King David. David uh, is the only person in the Bible where it says that David was a man after God's own heart. Yet David also uh, slept with a woman that was not his wife, and then in order to cover it up, had her husband killed out in battle. He was fighting for him, and he killed him to cover it up. So David was a conflicted individual. So I just want to tell you tonight as we get going that if you feel conflicted in your identity, if you feel like, man, I don't know, sometimes, sometimes I'm falling after God, sometimes not so much, sometimes I, I want to be, you know, full in on this thing, sometimes not so much. What, if you feel conflicted, if you feel like you're a complicated person, I just want to let you know that you're in good company tonight. And, uh, and that's what we're going to discuss about for the next few weeks, because Jacob was this guy. Jacob has a very interesting life, the life of Jacob. He, he was a twin, a twin brother. We have any twins in the room? Awesome. Twins. Cool. Love twins. Sure. Uh, twins. <laughs> Jacob was a twin, and his brother, his name is Esau, which means red. Jacob, uh, Esau had red hair. Bible says he was a hairy fella. Uh, he was a red, hairy fella. Any redheads in the, in the room? We won't ask about the hairy thing. That gets a little weird. But uh, Esau was a redhead. And then uh, Jacob says that Jacob's name meant deceiver. That was, that, was the, uh, that was the definition of Jacob's name. What a, what a hard label to start your life with, right? Already, you're a deceiver. And the reason his name was deceiver is says that Jacob came out holding the heel of his brother Esau. It says he was grasping onto the heel. Jacob also means heel grabber. It means deceiver and heel grabber. So this was Jacob's life. He actually, then he ended up stealing his brother's birthright for a cup of stew. He deceived his own brother. Then he deceives his own father. Uh, he stole his brother's blessing from his father. He, he made himself out to be his brother so that his dad would give uh, him the blessing as not his brother. And so uh, in light of all that, his brother ended up hating him, right? Rightfully so, his brother hated him. And it says in Genesis chapter 27, Esau says, isn't he right, talking about Jacob, isn't he rightly named Jacob? He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Isn't it funny how other people often uh, feel like they have the right to put a label on you? Esau says, isn't he rightfully named Jacob? Man, that guy is a deceiver. Esau hated his brother. Esau hated Jacob. And Jacob's story is a young man of someone living out his labels. We talked last week about how you always live out your labels. This was Jacob. And here's the cool thing. God knows that we are like Jacob. God knows that we have labels on us. And the even better thing is God does not expect you to live differently than your labels. He doesn't expect you to live differently. What he expects of you is that when you begin walking with him, that he would begin to change your labels. This is the goodness of God, that he doesn't expect you to live differently than your labels. He says, I'm going to change your labels. I'm going to change your identity so that you live in accordance with your identity. So that you don't have to go through life trying to live different. No, you just change your, God changes your identity and your labels. And this is what God wants to do. This is the great gift of God. And he wants to do this by telling us who we really are. So even though Jacob's name means deceiver, even though Jacob actually did deceive his brother and stole the birthright, even though Jacob deceived his father and stole the blessing, even though, listen, listen, even though Jacob probably even felt like a deceiver, even though Jacob probably would have even called himself a deceiver, God never saw Jacob this way. God never saw Jacob. God had another name for Jacob. He had another name for him. 
So I want to I take you into Scripture. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. And uh, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, we have one underneath your seat. We'd love for you to take that with you. Take it home, begin reading it. And uh, that's our gift to you, so take it. Uh, Genesis chapter 25, and we'll look in uh, verse 21 through verse 23. I think we'll have it on the screen as well. If you, oh, look at there. If you're there, say amen. If you're just going to read off the screen, say amen. amen. Be proud of it, I guess. It says, it says, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. The babies jostled with each other within her. Check that. The babies were already wrestling in her womb. That's probably a bad feeling. I just went, uh, <laughs> there's a little side note here. I just went yesterday and uh, did a 3D ultrasound of my little boy that's coming in about three months. And uh, come on. So uh, we went and saw his little face, and he was like had his hands up by his face, and then his foot like popped up too. I'm like, bro, how are you even doing that? Uh, but I went and saw him. It was pretty cool. And so he, apparently here um, in the scriptures, uh, they had the sonogram and the funky little jelly out on Rebecca's belly. And they saw that the twins were wrestling with each other already in the womb. And then it says that she says, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to me? So that so she went to inquire of the Lord is what it says next. Just a little side note here. The next time you find yourself asking, why is this happening to me? It's probably a good next step to go inquire of the Lord. Because whatever is happening inside of you, I guarantee you that God put it there. And there may be a reason for why it's going to come out. Go inquire of the Lord. And it says, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Isn't this crazy that God already knew what was going to happen in the future? God already knew that Jacob was going to end up deceiving his brother. Jacob was going to end up deceiving his father. God already knew that this was going to be the life of Jacob, which means that God also already knew that one day he was going to change Jacob's name to Israel. This was going to happen. God already knew that Jacob's true identity was Israel and that at the time, Jacob was just living out his label. He was living out his label that he was born with, living out the labels that were put on him. He was living that out, but God knew, I'm going to change his identity. His true identity will be Israel. God already knew that. I want to, I want to take you to um, the next verse in Genesis chapter 35. I'll kind of read to you the end of the story here. Genesis chapter 35. Verses 9 through 12. It says this. It says, After Jacob returned from Padan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. This is a big, big identity shift for Jacob. But I want to read to you the next part because I think it goes hand in hand with, with the identity change. Verse 11 says, And God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will be among your descendants. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac I also give to you, and I will give this land to your descendants after you. Now, you may not know a whole lot. If you want to read into the story of Jacob, then you'll find what all that means. But here, here's the cool thing. That right there, that last part, 
is God actually fulfilling a promise that he had given Abraham and Isaac years before this happens. This is God telling Jacob, this is what's going to happen with your life. So not only does he give Jacob an identity change, he says, not only do I know your identity and not only do I have the power to change your identity, but I also know what your future holds. I also know the days that are ahead of you. I also have a plan for you. So I'm the author of your identity and I'm the author of your future. This is what God says. And as I was reading this, I thought, man, this is so wild because I believe that God says the same thing to us. And so I want to show you in Ephesians chapter 2, I found this verse. Ephesians chapter 2, it says this. It says, for we are God's workmanship. What does that sound like? Identity. That's who you are. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we are his work, we are his masterpiece. God has declared that he has good works for you to do, prepared situations in advance for you to do them, and it's fueled by your identity. Apparently, it's awfully hard for us to correct our behavior if we don't correct who we are first. God wants to change who you are before he corrects your behavior. And this is what he did for Jacob, and I believe he wants to do the same thing for us. He went to Jacob, he says, Jacob, I'm going to change your identity. I'm the author of your identity. I'm the author of who you are, and I'm the author of what happens with your life. And then we are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece, created to do good works. He changes us from the inside out. He changes our identity, and then he changes us, and we begin to behave like what we believe we are. It's, it's baffling me. I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, if you're a note taker, you can only fully carry out God's plan for your life when you embrace your identity in him. You can only fully carry out God's plan for your life when you embrace your identity in him. See, when God gives Jacob a new identity, his identity wasn't based on what his parents said about him. His identity wasn't based on the sum total of his actions up to that point. His identity wasn't based on his relationships or his career or what he had accomplished. His identity wasn't based on what other people thought of him or said about him. His identity wasn't even based on what he felt or thought about himself. His identity was not based on any of those things. Jacob's identity was based on the authority of God. Listen, listen, listen. It was based on the authority of God to name him whatever he chose to name him. It was based on God's authority to name him whatever he wanted. This is called divine declaration. That God can name anything he wants, whatever he wants. Jacob's identity was based on God's authority. Now, I want to walk you through just a couple examples in the Bible. I know we're reading a lot uh, out of the Bible tonight, but I think that's okay. We're in church. Um, this is true for Jacob, and it's true for us that your identity is based in God's authority. You are, listen to me, you are whoever God says you are. Very simple truth, but very hard to understand. You are whoever God says that you are. It comes from 
divine authority, divine declaration. Whatever he says about you is who you are. Apparently, um, God has the authority to name things in the Bible. I want to show you a few examples, but before we do that, check this out. Authority. Authority comes from a Latin word, and it's uh, auto-right. I don't know. That's how you spell auto-right, R-I-T-E, okay? And it means this. I love this. It means this. The power to settle the argument. That's what authority means. Power to settle the argument. So when God says that he has the authority to name you whatever you are, it means that he settles the argument. There's no longer a question of who you are. You are whatever God says that you are. That's what it means. So let me show you. We go all the way back to creation in Genesis chapter 1. If you read the first 10 verses, God lays out creation. He creates everything, and it says that he started creating light and dark, and he begins naming it. It says he named it day and night. He creates dry ground, and he calls it land. He creates the water under the sky, and he calls it sea. Like an artist who paints a beautiful picture, whatever he creates on the canvas, he has the right to name it. Whatever he creates, he can name it. And God did this. He begins naming everything. And then we fast forward into the New Testament. Jesus came to earth. He's God in flesh. And in John chapter 1, it says that Jesus looked at him, meaning Peter, and he said, you are Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which is translated to Peter. So Jesus does another name change. And here's what's really cool to me is Jesus doesn't ask for permission to name change. Jesus doesn't say, hey, uh, I think I got a new name for you. What do you think of this? Cephas. Probably going to bet he wouldn't have liked that too much, right? Thank God for the translation into Peter. But he doesn't ask for opinion. He doesn't ask, what do you guys think of this? I'm thinking about changing this dude's name. He doesn't ask for anything. Right now, me and my wife are in the process of trying to determine what we want to name our son when he comes. We didn't, we didn't like, name him super early. You know, we didn't, like, announce it. So we're still trying to figure that out. And part of that is because we don't want everybody's opinion about the name we choose. Because you know some of y'all are going to have some nasty opinion about the name that I choose. That's why I'm not going to tell you. He's going to go nameless for a while, right? No, I'm kidding. But it's true. Like, my wife doesn't want to live under the pressure of, like, so-and-so doesn't like the name, so-and-so doesn't like the name. It kind of matters to me a little bit. Like, I don't, I don't want people to hate my son's name, right? But this is not God. God doesn't ask for anybody else's opinion because he has naming rights. And he says, your name's going to be Peter. Just like he says, that's going to be day, that's going to be night. And he, like he says, Jacob, you're now Israel. And like he says to you, I'm naming you. And because I have naming rights, because I have divine declaration, you are who I say that you are. And there is no question. There's no argument. There's no talking about it. You are who I say that you are. Because he has divine declaration. I don't know why, but this is, uh, this is encouraging to me. And I suppose... I suppose that if God didn't create you, then maybe he doesn't have the right to name you. If God's not creator of all things, then, you know, maybe he, he can't do that. But the fact that God created you gives him the right to name you, gives him the right to decide who you are, gives him divine declaration over your life. This is the God that we serve. This is, this is good news for us that God can name us like this. So I want to give you um, some examples of this just to
help you understand a little bit about what we're talking about when we talk about identity and what this means. So in John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, it says this. It says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right to become what? To all who receive him, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. If you have received Jesus, then you are a child of God by the authority of divine declaration. Man, I think someone in here needed to hear that. That it, whatever you came in carrying, if you have received Jesus, then he calls you a child of God. That's who you are. And he has divine declaration. He has the divine right to name you that. That's who you are. You don't have to question it any longer. But it's human nature, isn't for us to question whether we are or whether we're not or, or what is our identity. And so I want to tell you tonight that if you've received Jesus and if you've put your hope, your trust, your faith in him, he calls you a child of God. And I want to give you three things. First thing is this. You are a child of God whether you feel like it or not. You are a child of God whether you feel like it or not. Man, I think this is an epidemic problem in our culture and in our society, in our churches, honestly. That somewhere along the way, we've begun to think that like being a follower of Jesus, being a child of God, means that I must feel like it all the time. And that could not be further from the truth, to be honest with you. Sometimes you don't feel like it. Can someone say amen? Sometimes you don't feel like a child of God, right? And if your spirituality is based on your emotions, then you will forever cycle into immaturity if it is only based on your emotions. Emotions come and go, but God's word, his divine declaration stands forever. Emotions come and go, but God's divine declaration stands forever. And you never have to question it regardless of how you feel. Mature followers of Jesus understand that emotions are a part of my faith, but not the cornerstone to my faith. I'm going to give you a, let's get real weird. Can, can we just be okay with that? Y'all give me permission to get real weird? Someone told me this example uh, some time ago. I don't remember, but someone told me this, and it made, it made sense to me for some reason. Well, I know why, but it made sense to me. Emotions with my spirituality and my walk with God is kind of like sex in marriage. Sex is a very important part of marriage. They go together very, very well. And I would say that you, you need sex in marriage. Like that's an important thing to have. It's biblical, right? But it's not the only thing that there is to marriage. It's not the only part. Like I can be married and not have that, right? It's not the only thing, but it's a supplemental helpful thing to marriage. They go together well. Just like that, some of y'all want to laugh. You can laugh. It's okay if you think that's funny. Just like that, emotions are to my spirituality. My walk with Jesus is not purely emotional, but it does involve emotions. It does, it does involve emotions. And, and, and I believe that it's biblical for God to want you to be emotional when it comes to, to walk with him. That's important for you to have emotions connected to it. But it's not all that there is to your walk with God. And so you need to know that you are a child of God whether you feel like it or not. And there are times, check this out. What if possibly God removed good emotions from your life 
because you are making the emotions the authority in your spirituality. What if he decided to remove the good emotions in your life because that was what you were making the authority? And he wants to say, no, 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 no. The identity that I have given you is the authority. The identity that you have in me because of the cross is the authority, not the emotions. Give you a second thing. You are a child of God, whether you act like it or not. (laughs) Sin sin has a funny way, just to be honest with you. Sin has a a funny way of uh, kind of getting into our soul. Sin always carries an inward consequence. Sin messes with your identity. It creates a a boundary between you and God, and and somehow it messes with your identity. And the more that it gets into your soul, the more that it gets to be a part of your life, the more that you begin to question your identity. The more addicted that I become to sin, the more that I begin to question my identity, right? Yet what God has said about me is that I am a child of God, that that is my identity, whether you act like it or not. This is my identity. And so I know that the tendency is to think, all right, so what if we just get to claim like I'm a child of God regardless of how much sin I have in my life? Well, no. Sin is not a, uh, or, or claiming I'm a child of God as my identity is not a past that I take advantage of. It's a promise that I cling to. What that does, me holding on to my identity in Christ, it says that now I can be guilty of my sin, but I don't have to be shameful of my sin. See, guilt and shame are very different. Guilt is actually a helpful and healthy thing to have about your sin because it says, I am wrong. This is not right. I am in fault here. But shame causes you to question your identity. So I'm a child of God whether I act like it or not. Shame causes you to question your identity, and shame is not from God. The Bible says that there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So you are a child of God whether you act like it or not. Now remember, when God changes your identity, he changes you from the inside out, and your behavior follows your being. So who you are begins to change how I walk out my faith. You still with me here? Cool, cool. We're almost done. We're going to keep going, then we're going to worship together. I told Josiah back there I feel like we needed to do that sons and daughters song again because uh, I think there's a spirit of worship in this place, and that song was uh, connecting with me. You know, sometimes I feel like God gives me a word to say to you guys, and it's directly for some of you, and and I feel like I'm on a mission. Like tonight, I'm going to get up here and say something, and it's going to help somebody. Then there are times where I think God just wanted me in here because my soul, like myself, I needed it. And I was just worshiping back there, and I felt like, this is for me tonight. This is for me. And uh, anyways, thanks for letting me be a part of this. Okay, moving on. Number three, <laughs> you are a child of God, whether people think you are or not. Other people do not choose this for you. Other people do not choose your identity for you. If you have received Jesus, you're a child of God because you are whoever God says that you are. Some of you are fighting with labels that someone else has put on you. And you need to know tonight, when you put your faith and your hope in Jesus, you are who God says you are, not what your dad said, not what your mom said, not what your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your ex said, not what your friends said. 
not with those people that you met, what they said. You are who God says that you are. This is your identity that nobody else can change. When you are a child of God, you are whether, you, whether other people think that you are or not. You might say, I've never done much good in my life, never done anything fantastic, but this is not your identity. Perhaps, I was thinking about this as I was preparing, if you're not seeing a whole lot of like good come out of your life or fruit come out of your walk with Jesus, perhaps it's because you're trying to live out behavior before you live out belief in who you are. The Bible says that you are a workmanship. You're God's workmanship created to do works for him. But you got to recognize your identity first. And maybe you're questioning your identity and who it is, and maybe you're not fully putting your belief in who God says that you are, and that is affecting how you're walking it out. And that's affecting your behavior because you're not fully grabbing on to who he says that you are. So how do you respond to something like this? How do you begin to believe that this is true, that the identity that God has given me is true? I want to invite um, the keyboardist back up here so that we can worship in just a second. But I think that um, in here tonight, there's a young lady in here who feels dirty, who feels ashamed, who feels an identity. Maybe someone else has called you something. Maybe someone else has told you that who you are is trash or who you are is garbage because of past mistakes that you've made or whatever. And I wanted to encourage you tonight that you are who God says that you are and that you can walk out of these doors in freedom knowing that I don't have to live with a label stuck to me. I don't have to live with past regrets. I don't have to live with shame. But if God calls me a child of his own, if God calls me a daughter of his own, then that's who I am. I've, I've been in ministry for a couple years now, and uh, I had a chance to do student ministry with middle school and high school students. And I want to tell you, I think the number one thing that haunts young girls just ladies, if I can talk to you for a little bit. The number one thing that haunts young girls is a struggle with their identity. And who are they? Who has God made me to be? And if he's made me to be that, then why are other people telling me that I'm not? Or why are other people telling me that I'm something different? And how do I choose what to believe? And then they make mistakes and now they begin to live with this identity for the rest of their life because they cannot let go of it. Because they've never fully surrendered to a belief that God wants to come and change your identity. That's what he's come to do for you. And someone in this room needs to believe that tonight. You're carrying around way too much baggage. You're carrying around stuff that you were never intended to carry around tonight. And tonight you need to let that lift off you and go, you know what? God's made me a child of his. He's called me his own. He's called me a masterpiece. He's called me his workmanship. And what he says by divine declaration is the truth. What he says is true. And I put my faith and my trust in him, which means I carry the identity that he gives me, not what someone else has given me. There's a young man in here tonight. You've been trying to impress your parents. You've been living under pressure all your life to live out in some way, get a job some way to impress your dad and all this kind of stuff. I want to tell you tonight, you are not what you accomplish. You do not have to live under the 
pressure to accomplish something great so that you can please other people. Your identity can be found in who God says that you are. And when you believe that and when you begin to live that out, then your behavior starts to change. There's no telling what God could do. He's created good works for you. He knows the plans, he knows the future, and he knows your identity. And tonight, you can begin to let go of some of that pressure. Let it go. And believe that who God says that you are is the truth. Who he says that you are is the truth. And and, and I had this thought. The best way for you to bring glory to God, if you want to bring glory to God, the best way that you can do that is to be who he's made you to be. Be who he's made you to be. You know how a tree brings the most glory to God? (laughs) By being a dang tree. Just being a tree. It's true. All creation sings of his praises. They bring glory to him. All creation does. You know how the sun brings glory to God? By being the sun. You know how you can bring the most glory to God? By being who he's created you to be. By settling your identity and believing that's who you are. That's how you can do it. And so as as we close tonight, I wanted to end with just a time of uh, prayer. I know we got 200 people in this room, but I'm not ashamed to get intimate in here. I think we should pray because there's some people in here that identity is funny because it's not something that we do and like we immediately see a change. It's an inner battle that's in each and every one of us that probably is not going to be like played out in some great way and we're going to walk out of here going, yay, I'm completely, no, God's changing you from the inside out. And this involves some serious prayer and some of you need to begin praying about it tonight. So I just wanted to end with us having some prayer and worship because some of you need to start this battle of wrestling with God like Jacob did and determining what your identity is and believing that who God says you are, you are. And so I want to create some space um, for you just to pray at your own seat. You don't have to pray with anybody. I'm not going to ask you to pray out loud or whatever. I just want you to have some time at your own seat. And I'm going to put a couple of things up on the uh, screen. Some truths about who you are and some things that I think you need to begin to digest into your system and knowing that this is who God says that I am. I am a child of God. He is my present, active, and vocal father. I'm a masterpiece created to do good works. I am free from all condemnation. I cannot be separated from the love of God. These are just a few promises that you can begin to cling to about your identity and who you are in Christ. So if you would, just with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I just want to invite you to just uh, quietly where you're at, just begin to pray to God. Begin to ask him to help you digest these things, to help you begin to believe these things. Maybe if you need to, you can look up at the screen and just read them again. Pray specifically for each one of these. You know which one is your greatest struggle. You know which one you have a hard time believing. You know which one when you wake up in the morning is going to be the one that that you struggle with the most. Just take some time and pray. Ask God to help you begin to believe these things.
So we just want to create a few minutes at the closing here. We don't want to rush out of here. I believe that God's working. He's doing some stuff in some people's hearts. So the band's going to begin just to play and lead us in song and lead us in worship. And whatever you need to do with God, whatever you need to do, you need to do business with him. Whether you need to get on your knees and pray, whether you need to come to the front, just kind of use this as an altar pray to him. Whatever you need to do, if you need to gather a few people and ask for them to pray over you, because this is a struggle that you've had for many, many years and you can't seem to get free from it. Whatever you need to do, I just want to create some space for that to happen in here tonight. The band's going to lead us. We're going to worship with a few songs and then uh, I'll come up and close us out. God, I ask that, that you would do that tonight. Lord, I don't want to rush out of here too quick. But God, your word is true. And just what you did for Jacob, you want to do for us. So God, I pray that you would begin to change some identity in you. And Lord, I know that doesn't just kind of magically appear. God, there's some people in here that never put their hope and their trust in you. Lord, and that needs to happen tonight so that they can have this new identity. But God, there's people in here tonight who've been following you for a long time and they still struggle with this stuff. And so God, I ask that you would, um, in these next few moments, that you would just remind their soul out of your kindness and your goodness, that you would remind their soul of who they are, a son and a daughter of you, an heir to the throne, God. They are a masterpiece. God, would you encourage their heart tonight? Jesus' name.